Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football is back. We've got Bills and Rams, Bucks and Cowboys, Chiefs and Cardinals, all of the NFL action coming up for week one. Use our promo code BLEAVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is a podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. It is Tuesday, September 6th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. We are joined today by Walter Mitchell. You know Walter. He's been on many, many times before. Part of our wonderful rotating guests on, well, I guess, guest co-hosts on the show. It's a Walter Mitchell Power Hour today. We're going to get set for the start of the NFL season, and I am very excited to get rolling with Walter here today. Uh, Make sure to check out Revenge of the Birds, of course. Walter's got great content there. And you can check out the Red Rain podcast wherever it is that you get podcasts. I produce the show. Walter hosts it. We're going to have post-game coming up after Chiefs and Cardinals and all of the Cardinals games this season. So if your team plays the Cardinals, you can get in-depth analysis of all the games coming up this season. If you're new, leave a five-star review. If you are joining us once again, uh, make sure to download a bunch of episodes for us. Any and all downloads are much appreciated, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, wherever it is that you get podcasts. We appreciate you and all that you do to support the show. Also, if you like what you hear today, we've got a five-part podcast documentary series. It's called The Fall of the Spurs Dynasty. We talk about the San Antonio Spurs. It's four and a half hours, over five episodes of great content around the Spurs. I hope you enjoy that as well. And continuing to support all the work that we have here on the show is always much much appreciated. So download, review, listen to the Spurs Dynasty pod, check out the Red Rain, and get ready to enjoy a wonderful NFL kickoff episode with our friend Walter Mitchell. I will uh, defer over to you first and foremost. What are you most interested in going into the year? What do you find? Uh, Obviously, you're Arizona Cardinals guy, but what do you find most interesting going into the 2022 season? Well, everyone's 0-0. If the college football games this weekend are any indication, 
This could be a wild and woolly season. You know, football is back. It's beautiful. Fans are in the stands, um, and people are psyched, and everybody's 0-0. So who are going to be their surprises this year? Um, and, um, you know, I've got my eye on a couple, like the Lions, <laughs> you know. Yes, I um, do know at this point. Right. Like, I just think that something's brewing there in Detroit. I think they're getting a lot of good things right, and I think they have one of the best offensive lines in football. And, uh, you know, and they've got real good skill players. And I think on offense they're going to be um, at times hard to stop. And then the defense is very active. I like the guys in their secondary. And, of course, add Aiden Hutchinson to the mix there, uh, up front and what they can do with their pass rush and who knows i mean that's a division that other than the packers and the packers have their own um question marks with at receiver for one and you know um that packers defense looks awfully good and and uh right up there with the top defenses in the nfc but you know aaron Rodgers stays healthy and gets some rhythm with some of his uh new receivers and who knows they probably run away with the division but then after that i think the lions could be right in there neck and neck with the vikings for second place what do you think i am not as optimistic about the lions although when i was going back to do analysis for this year so i was kind of going by like what the teams look like on paper i did realize that some teams that i were down on like uh, carolina and detroit yeah. are actually going to be better than I thought just because of the way that the, the NFC breaks down. So, like, in my mind, I was thinking right. Carolina is not a great football team this year. They don't have a, a very strong defense, even though I, I do like Brian Burns and I like Jeremy Chin and I, I like some of those guys on the team. They just they don't have a lot there that's, like, going to make them a top-five defense and – Obviously, they have the rotating panel of quarterbacks on that team. And at the same time, they're probably going to win seven to eight games because Carolina is better than some of the alternative teams in the NFL. So I have come around on that where I'm like, oh, I don't think the team's very good. And also, they're probably going to win more games this year than last year. And that's the same case with me for Detroit, where I I instinctively was like, well, obviously, Detroit's going to be tanking again this year. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, no, Detroit's probably going to win somewhere between six and seven games, probably have the, the 10 or 11 pick in the draft. Instinctively, I thought, well, Carolina didn't get any better last year. They had uh, Ben McAdoo um, now as their offensive coordinator, and their their offense is still not that great. And at the same time, they aren't actively tanking. And so on paper, Carolina's probably going to win more games this year than last year. I mean, barring injuries and barring the coach getting fired in week four or something like that, where they decide to pivot midseason and choose to tank. But it seems like Carolina is going to be better this year than last year. And Detroit's going to be better this year than last year, which in my mind, I was like, well, both of those teams aren't going to be very good this year. And then I looked at it. I'm like, oh, Detroit's probably going to win six or seven games. It's not going to be as bad as it was last year. And Carolina is probably going to win seven or eight games, assuming that the team stays relatively healthy and they don't have a coach turnover mid-season. But 
on paper, those teams were better than I thought they were just based on the landscape of the rest of the league. I still think Detroit's pretty firmly in third place in the NFC North. Um, but I do think that they're better than I thought they were until I actually started doing some like in-depth preseason football analysis. Yeah. Yeah, that Panthers roster is pretty interesting. I think they've got a lot of good pieces. I mean, they've got great skill players. Um, if Mayfield is, you know, uh, has a bounce back here, they're going to put up some points. I mean, with McCaffrey at running back, and then, you know, you've got the trio of wide receivers who are very good. DJ Moore's uh, the you know, star of that group, but they've got Robbie Anderson. Um, and um, they've, they just have, uh, you know, if they get good offensive line play and then their defense, I like a lot. I think Jeremy Chin is an up and coming star at sort of a um, strong safety hybrid kind of player like Derwin James and, um, Isaiah Simmons, uh, and then you have Brian Burns, I think is one of the best edge rushers in the league now. And you got the big boy Brown up front, um, clogging up, uh, you know, occupying two blockers every play, and and they've got a host of cor- young corner cornerbacks, Joe Horn, etc., who have oodles of talent. So. Um, yeah, they've got some makings of a pretty decent team, and um, they play in a tough division. So four games are going to be tough right off the bat with the Bucks and the Saints and uh, those sneaky Falcons. Um, <laughs> and so, you like the Falcons this year? <laughs> you know, I really am a fan of Arthur Smith. Um, give him a decent quarterback and uh, decent defense. He's going to win games. And I think that, you know, their tight end is on borderline elite. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, and I like the draft picks they've made. I'm also a big fan of um, the Cincinnati quarterback they drafted. Desmond um, Ritter? Desmond Ritter. Uh, I think he's, he was a diamond in the rough. And, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota has a chance. He's. Still only, what, 27 years old? He's like four years older than you are. I mean, for Something, trying out A little, little bit, yeah. But I, I mean, see. it's unbelievable. I can't – he seems like he's been around forever. And um, so he gets his, his next chance, and I've always liked him. I mean, they're not bad. I mean, they, they get – plus they get some good pieces, you know, Grady Jarrett up front on defense um, and the that uh, their cornerback uh, AJ Terrell AJ Terrell uh, yeah my favorites one of my favorite players in the league and the reason he's my favorite player is because I was watching Ohio State play Clemson back uh, it was the year that um, it was the year it was 2019 so that would have been the year that uh, Justin Fields threw the interception in the champion in the semifinal game and they lost and I was watching that game and I saw that guy play because there's no there's no names on the jerseys I was like 
I don't know who that player is, but that player is just better and bigger and stronger than everyone on the field. And it was AJ Terrell. And then nice. lo and behold, he was a first round pick and nice. now one of the best corners in the NFL. But he just popped off on the screen. I had no idea who he was. And I was like, that guy is bigger and stronger and better than everyone else on the field. Yeah. And I love AJ Terrell, but I know you're being polite. That might be the worst defense in the NFL this year. The Falcons might have the worst defense in the league. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but uh, I mean, they've got a really fine player at each level. Um, I guess uh, the inside linebackers hurt. Um, uh, uh, Deion Jones. Yeah. Deion Jones. Uh, and uh, I've always liked him um, as a, you know, he's quick to the ball and athletic and um, he's a modern day linebacker. He's also pretty good in coverage. Uh, so if he comes back, you know, they've got a, a premier player at each level. Um, you know, so I, you know, it all depends on chemistry and who you play when and, if you can get any momentum going, I mean, certainly nobody's given the Falcons a chance. Some are already predicting they'll have the first pick in next year's draft. I, I get that, but I also see, you know, I wouldn't discount, um, you know, Arthur Smith and his cro coaching prowess. I mean, the job he did with Ryan Tannehill was epic. Um, and, of course, the titans sort of suffered in the playoffs from not having him last year and and Tannehill was ineffective and you know you lose a guy like that from that system and he's great with tight ends and he's got pits you know it's like the best up-and-coming tight end in the league so mm -hmm. you know they're gonna be you know uh they're gonna be interesting to watch they play a ton of close games I mean, mm -hmm. they they're competitive. Um, so, and I love their yeah. Do you, do you remember that uh, that 2020 Falcons team when uh, they were losing all those chaotic games and right. uh, it ended up? I I don't think that was Arthur Smith's first season. I think that was still no. Dan Quinn. Correct. And uh, they were one of the worst teams in the league in one score games. And then last year they were one of the best teams in the league in one score games, right. which was a, a shocking revelation when I saw that. And uh, obviously they traded Matt Ryan and, you know, they'll, they'll play. I bet you they will play three different quarterbacks this year at some point during the season. It'll be Mariota. It'll be Ritter. It'll be a third person at some point. I think they have like Felipe Franks on the team still, but. Uh, it's going to be one of those seasons for Atlanta, but I'm with you. I don't think they'll have the number one pick in the draft. I think it'll be somewhere in the four to six range because there are teams that I think are worse than them. <laughs> well, that's that's quite a. That's... <laughs> and I, I know you were going to say Youngway Koo. Yeah, they might have the best kicker in the NFL that I think some team might trade a first round pick for if he were ever made available. <laughs> I love that kid. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons why they're now winning close games. Uh, that kid's uh, got ice in his veins, and uh, yeah, he's good. He's clutch. So. My favorite kicker ever because he played four games for the Chargers and missed three game-winning kicks, and then miraculously leads the Chargers and becomes the best kicker in the NFL. I love how the San Diego sports curse works like that. <laughs> oh man! 
Yeah, that oh dude was goodness. that dude was a punchline five years ago. The yep. first season of the Los Angeles Chargers, they started 0-4, and he missed like three game-winning kicks. Then he went to the AAF and the XFL, and now he's the best kicker in the NFL. It's amazing how that ended up happening. Well, get this. I think the Cardinals were the first team I've known to draft a kicker in the first round. It was John Lee from US, UCLA. And he was what a year. You know, oh, God. Way back. Um, no one no one could believe the Cardinals. Well, actually, Cardinal fans could believe they dropped a kicker in the first round. <laughs> I mean, those were back in draft days where, boy, there were some real head scratchers. But uh, at John Lee, he didn't even last a year in the NFL. You had all this talent, and I, I mean, you could see it. It's a great leg, and he was a mess. Probably couldn't live up to the first round billing, and plus, he landed on the Cardinals. And uh, yeah, I mean, so that's wow. like a Roberto Agallo with the Buccaneers. He got he's the highest drafted kicker since Janikowski, and then you know he got the yips and couldn't kick in the NFL. That's uh. It's a weird story like that. But, yeah, someone would give it up is. a lot for Young Way Koo. If the Falcons wanted to tear it all the way to the ground, someone would give up a lot for him. Yeah, and meanwhile, weird to say about a kicker. Yeah, meanwhile, the most um, completely fundamental kicker I have seen in, in several years, Matt McCrane, um, can't get a job. It's just unreal. yeah. You're you're really high on Matt McCrane, and I'm interested by that because you could totally be right. I think kicking is at such a uh, such a high level now that there are people who would have been the best kickers in the league 20 years ago that can't find jobs because the skill has just been so refined over the years. But you're really high on Matt McCrane. I've heard well, I heard you advocating for him on the Cardinals and to get other jobs. You're high on him. Well, first of all. With all the NFL kickers struggling with the extra point now that it's longer, Matt McCrane has missed one extra point in his entire life. Okay? Um, and that was at Kansas State, I think, in a um, typhoon um, and or some sort of weather incident. Um, and uh, But, uh, yeah, he was 134. 143 for 144. He at Kansas State, he left Kansas State, I think, seventh all time best uh, field goal percentage in NCAA history. Um, but when you look at this kid kick, you look at his fundamentals and the way he's able to repeat them. Um, he, uh, in NFL stats, as, I, as far as I remember him, when he got uh, picked up by the Raiders, he missed two kicks from the infield dirt at Oakland Coliseum. Those are the only two kicks I think he missed. he's missed in his career. I think he was six for eight in his NFL career with two game winners. One, when he got the game ball from John Gruden and that same game where he missed those kicks, he kicked the game winner. And then later in the season, um, the Steelers picked him up. And when they had Boswell hurt or whatever, and uh, McCrane hit the game winner for them in the second to last game, and Mike Tomlin gave him a game ball for that. Um, 
and he was perfect eight for eight in the NFL on extra points. And, um, you know, it's just mind boggling to me with all these kickers and the whole carousel of kickers that it, that a you know, young kicker like that, um, hasn't stuck. And, uh, you know, of course, all it needs is one GM and head coach to, and special teams coordinator to believe in you. And the next thing you know, I mean, you know, um, you could be climbing your way up the ranks and, but, uh, I hope somebody picks up McCrane because if so, they're going to get a dandy. You see stories like that all the time. Well, I mean, we talked about Young Way Koo, but even the Raiders cut him and signed Daniel Carlson. And now Daniel Carlson is a Pro Bowl kicker where, you know, he missed like four kicks in a Vikings game against the Packers. And it was one of the like worst kicking days ever. But short leash for kickers in the NFL. You're right on about that. And yeah. The skills are so refined. The thing that absolutely confirmed everything to me about McCrane was, so then he went to the XFL where they were playing games. He was on the New York Guardians kicking in January and February freezing weathers, or February um, freezing weather and wind at the Meadowlands. I don't think he missed a thing. I mean, I saw him kick two 50-plus yarders into a wind and into a crosswind that went right down the middle of the goalposts, right through the middle. Um, he was lights out in the XFL, kicking in the most inclement weather. I mean, if you ever tried to kick a cold football, man, it's <laughs> it's not a treat. Um, and uh, oh, I was just so impressed with that. But uh, he's been um, training out in San Diego with uh, – uh, Mike Nugent has kickers out there working them out. And, um, so Matt's ready. Um, if there are NFL GMs out there, I know they like to turn into t- the tie podcast. Um, <laughs> give a call to Matt McCrane. You won't be disappointed. Well, I do want to ask you Cardinals questions because I'm interested in what they're going to be. And I know we talked Cardinals we, with Joe Camo a few weeks ago, but I'm interested in Arizona because at this point you could look at them and say they're the team that would be most poised for a step back type of season this year, just because of the amount of talent that left this off season. Right. And at the same time, other than I guess Chandler Jones, I don't feel like they lost any core players. So I don't know exactly how to do the analysis on the Cardinals this year. Cause I, I guessing they will finish third in the division because I really, really like the 49ers. We talked about this uh, on the Red yeah. Rain podcast, yeah. too. I really like the 49ers. And just by virtue of that, I think that that means – I mean, I assume the Rams aren't going to be fighting for a playoff spot just at the end of the season. But, you know, weird stuff happens every now and then. So I don't know how to do analysis of the NFC West, except it's easier this year than the past few years because we know Seattle's going to be bad. Yeah, but I'd never count out Seattle in any game. Not with Pete Carroll and not with that, you know, kind of us against the world mentality that they, you know. Plus, uh, they've got some very, very interesting players. um, And they've got a heck of a receiving group. Um, So, uh, you know, if they get good quarterback play, they're going to be in games and that defense – with Jamal Adams, and uh, they've got some really good 
secondary pieces now. And I, I, and some people up front, I, I, you know, I don't automatically write in a W when I see them on our schedule, even though we've had success there, um, particularly in Seattle in recent years, but, uh, um, for uncanny reasons, I don't know why, but I think we've won something like four out of the last five in Seattle. Um, yeah, that was a joke I've made for years Lumen is that Field. the Cardinals always win a meaningless game in December in <laughs> Seattle. I think yeah. Josh Rosen won a meaningless game in, in there. Like Drew Stanton won one, Josh Rosen won one. Like they just, for some reason, win meaningless games in Seattle in December when the Seahawks were going to the playoffs every year. Right. Well, and that's just uh, uncanny, and I hope it continues. But, uh, but here's the thing about the division, which is makes it interesting, is that if you start with the quarterbacks, I mean, I'm just reading right now that Matt Stafford's um, arm ailment might be a year-long thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're reporting now he looks fine and everything, but... Uh, we technically uh, know now it's a two-year-long injury because Troy Aikman spilled the beans on a broadcast that Stafford was playing through the playoffs last year with a shoulder injury, too. Right, right. So that's something to keep an eye on there. You've got Trey Lance reportedly starting in San Francisco how much of a short leash he'll be on with now Jimmy G back in the fold at 6.5 million guaranteed um, is remains to be seen um, you know if you look at Shanahan's record without Jimmy G it's astonishingly poor um, in fact I think Jimmy G has 33 of Shanahan's 39 NFL wins as a head coach or something to that effect. I think he's like 33 and 15 or something. Um, which is, you know, as I look at that situation too, is that, I mean, Garoppolo wins. I mean, I don't know why you argue with winning. And then people would say, well, he can't get us to a Super Bowl win. Well, no, he's knocking on the door. And, you know, I mean, it, it takes more than just a quarterback. And they put other pieces together. You know, I mean, but if you look at it, he wins. Now, it, he does he win in pretty fashion? Is he a Joe Montana? No. But, hey, that team wins ugly games because they're physical and they get after it. And, you know, they're scrappers. And But uh, it's just weird that uh, somebody who's that had that amount of success um, in, in an organization that has lost without him is just sort of trying to squeeze him out and uh, in favor of a rookie that nobody, well, a second year player who's got, um, you know, utmost potential, but he's uh, raw and, you know, he's going to, it's going to take time. And like, like the people on ESPN, Mina Kimes and others have been saying, um, you know, if you've got a roster that can win now, why gamble on a quarterback? You don't know yet whether, he can take the team to that level. So that's a fascinating question there. And then you have Kyler Murray who might come out of this thing is the best quarterback in the NFC West. If he can stay healthy and dynamic and um, focused, um, if he does his homework, um, extra time. Um, so, um, you know, I think that 
it could be a change in the guard and quarterbacks in the NFC West if Murray plays to the level of his contract. See, I am I'm in the opposite camp on Trey Lance than most people are, and uh, that one is that has been the most frustrated I've been about an NFL quarterback situation over the last two years because yeah. I I would have. I would have played Trey Lance from week one last year because there is no point in delaying this process. Like you, you drafted him for this great competitive advantage of we can have the quarterback on the rookie contract. And, you know, I will point out the Mina Kimes quote that I bring up all the time. Wins are not a quarterback stat. Wins are not a quarterback stat. The 49ers are this great exception across the last five to six years of NFL football where, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have this uh, this this drafting track record that rivals like John Schneider and Pete Carroll with the Legion of Boom. Like they have like eight All Pro players on their team, right. or like nine Pro Bowlers and four All Pro players, and most of them were drafted by the team. And they happen to luck their way into Trent Williams for a third round pick and a fifth round pick right. on draft day in 2020. And I. I just feel like there is very little precedent for Trey Lance is going to come in and be what Trevor Lawrence was last year. He's not going to be what Zach Wilson was last year because there is so much talent on the 49ers. And the last two years, Jimmy Garoppolo has been basically Ryan Tannehill light for the San Francisco 49ers, which is a lot of talent around him. He's going to look competent. And also I've seen them win a playoff game where he didn't throw a pass for two hours straight. <laughs> didn't it's not to. a, not a hyperbole. It was two hours and six minutes of consecutively Jimmy Garoppolo, not throwing a pass. They have hid him in multiple playoff wins now. And then when he makes the one throw against the Packers in the NFC divisional round, all of a sudden, Oh my gosh, Jimmy Garoppolo is clutch when they hid him the entire game for the three quarters before that. And I just think that there is no precedent for Trey Lance being terrible, given how much roster, given how high he was drafted and how much talent is on the Niners roster. So I would have gone through the growing pains last year so that you don't have to go through the growing pains this year with the Niners. Well, the problem with that, this is what I, what I question about it is, you know, he hadn't played much football coming out of North Dakota state. Um, He played like what? 14 games mm-hmm. so including the two games he played the next year in COVID um, so he's a kid who's really hasn't played a lot and he didn't play much last year and then he got hurt so he's a kid that hasn't had a, many reps and you know there's that old uh, I forget who said it um, who, who set this up I think it was Aikman or one of those guys set up the the sort of standard of the guy you really want to draft is has at least three years of starting in, in college. And, you know, if you want him NFL ready, you need a guy who's got, um, you know, has put the time in and has, has gotten plenty of playing time and, um, and has had success at the college level. Now, of course, Lance had success at North Dakota state, but then again, you have to question the level of competition. Um, and, you know, I mean, he was playing on a juggernaut program. 
I, I, I get your point of putting them in right away, but I think that, uh, you know, and I think you're being a little too critical of Jimmy G calling him Tannehill White. <laughs> I mean, okay, I, so I yeah, take him over that... Tannehill any day. Um, oh, I would not. I would. I, would. I, I, would. I think it's a push there, and that's oh man. Jimmy G in 2019 is different than Jimmy G now. I'll also point that one out. Jimmy G in 2019 was at the very least a like tier three quarterback. He was as good in 2019 as say like Stafford was last year for the 49ers. I think now, if you put him on a team that doesn't have talent, he's going to look a lot like Jared Goff. And Jimmy, Jimmy G is in this weird place where I think the difference for me is you can, there is definitely room to question whether the 49ers should have drafted Trey Lance in the first place. Like, I think there's definitely room for conversation there about going all in on the quarterback that was cheap while you're paying Bosa and all. I think the 49ers panicked a little bit when they, when they got Trey Lance because they were talking about Rogers and they were talking about Brady and they were talking about how we can find value because they were worried about Bosa and Debo and Kittle getting extensions and Fred Warner and Trent Williams. They were worried about paying all these people that they felt like we can get the quarterback cheap. And I think there's room to question whether they should have taken him in the first place. Now that you have him, you have to start him right away and go for it like that. Like once you've made that decision, you go for it and figure out within two or three years, whether he has it or whether he doesn't, because this, this weird in between has been so, it's been so frustrating because what was the point of drafting him in the first place? If well, it's going to be this slow development, the whole point of getting him was to upgrade at the quarterback position. It might not happen right away, but I, I'm not one who subscribes to the idea of like a player will get leaps and bounds better by sitting on the bench for a year. I think that, you know, the, I'm of the opinion that people who are like, Look at what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, well, what if they had played Patrick Mahomes instead of Alex Smith? Could they have beaten Marcus Mariota in a playoff game yeah. that year? And, yeah, I'm someone who who sees less value in that, although I'll always say I know less about the situation than Kyle Shanahan does. So Kyle Shan- I reserve better judgment for Kyle Shanahan and, like, Mike Tomlin than myself. But I, I just don't see the value in playing the slow game with Trey Lance when – you drafted him for a reason, but well, you know, maybe maybe they regret the draft pick in the same time. I think there's room to talk about that before the decision to play him in the first place. Yeah, except I think you're ignoring the fact that, you know, first of all, Jimmy G has had a penchant for being the quarterback. I won't say it's a mean of time stat for him winning the game, but he for being the quarterback on the Niners who consistently helps beat the Rams. They have the Rams number. And, you know, in that division, that's huge to have. I mean, I'm a Cardinals fan, and I think we're, uh, what are we now? Um, 1-11 versus Sean McVay, or 1-10. and and Something like that, yeah. Only one of those games was close, too. I mean, um, the one we won. Um, You know, so, I mean, that being able to do that is one is, is, is a feather in his cap. And he took them all the way to the, to the NFC championship game and playing the Ram, a Rams team that they typically beat that last game of the season. They came back to beat the Rams to get in the playoffs in the first place. I mean, you probably recall that game. I mean, Jimmy G was brilliant down the stretch in that game. B 
people tend to forget that. I don't think Trey Lance wins that game, helps win that game for him. I think Jimmy G and his experience and having beaten the Rams several times before, I think we really played into that. So, I mean, it's not like last year was a wash by getting to uh, the NFC Championship game with a, within a whisker of going to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I mean, uh, he, he, yeah, in in the NFC Championship game, he like everybody else, he struggled against the Rams' defense and uh, coughed it up at the at the worst time. And unfortunately, um, you know, it, it cost cost him, cost them. But I got to give him credit. He's a, he's a, you know, gritty competitor. And I'll tell you this: if you stick with Jimmy G, you can. It's guaranteed you'll have a um, sold-out stadium every week. Do you know why? Why is that? It would be jammed with women. Yeah, women Jimmy would. G. Se- women would <laughs> sell out that stadium on their own. Someone brought up this great point that I just realized. Jimmy G is the first backup quarterback in NFL history to have his own Subway commercial. What, he had it way back when? No, he has it right now. He has a a Subway commercial right now. Yeah, but he's not a backup. I mean, he's a backup now. But, I mean, everybody knows Jimmy G. Let me tell you this. When he was a backup, I was teaching at Foxborough High School. You would think all the girls were in love with Brady. No, uh, no. All the girls were in love with Jimmy G. In fact, I wish I had a dollar for every Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Photo on the cover of um of a girl's notebook. I mean, I had to like sometimes go over and ask them to stop ogling Jimmy G. During class, I mean, I'm serious. The the crushes on Jimmy G. were. <laughs> I'm interested in how Jimmy G because the 49ers are one of these teams that is um like a national brand like similar to the Cowboys or the Patriots where like there are Niners fans in every state and they have one of the largest fan bases in the NFL and I think that goes back to like their success in the 80s and 90s I'm not sure but you know, they just happen to have fans everywhere. And I'm interested in that, like, for this national team, the same way that people give Tom Brady his props and the same way people uh, lift up Cowboys quarterbacks and make Tony Romo, you know, someone who people are talking about for the Hall of Fame years ago. Obviously, he's not going to make it. But, like, someone who gets propped up for a decade as being, like, one of the most famous people in the world I'm interested in that because the 49ers can do that with the quarterback, the handsome, good-looking quarterback who looks like Tom Brady. Um, you know, I, I think that we can prop that guy up a bit and break the mythology around Jimmy Garoppolo, especially when he plays for not the Cowboys, not the Patriots, but like the next closest thing in terms of a national football team in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard, read, I read a stat that after that Subway commercial – with his auntie, who uh, he says it's just like my auntie's makes, and then mm-hmm. she comes on and says, "I don't even cook," and he goes, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> or my my grandmother, my grandmother. Sorry, that um, sales of of Subway subs went up sixty five percent for women. It's just unbelievable. That, that can't. That's that can't <laughs> be true. 
that can't that's a, uh, that can't be true. It's that's true. one of the great marketing schemes of all time is just putting handsome Jimmy Garoppolo there exactly. holding a foot long sandwich. Is I, and the it, little I conflict with the grandmother thinking his grandmother made made stuff like this, and <laughs> she's saying she doesn't cook, and he goes saying, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> that would make it one of the greatest ad campaigns of all time. I, I just wish that the product, the production of the quarterback merited the, the level of fame there. And, you know, you said like the 49ers were in the same camp as the Rams and like being right there. And I would argue we should be talking about the 49ers in that respect. Like San Francisco has one of the coaches that we think of like adds value to the team. Like we think of Shanahan as like, innovative leader guy and we think of Shanahan as um coach that adds value and you know his offenses are something that everyone around the league is trying to replicate and they have the best left tackle maybe in the history of the NFL according to football outsiders he just had the greatest single season as for a left tackle ever and you have George Kittle at tight end, Nick Bosa as this like edge rusher slash interior rusher who plays similar to JJ Watt as a young player. And you have Fred Warner and you have obviously Debo Samuel, who's emerged as this weird weapon. So you basically have two of the best players in the NFL there. And you have this scheme that rotates running backs in and out. I feel like the 49ers should be great. And, and they have been great over the last five years where San Francisco has had more success than teams that have the star quarterback. Like some of the, they have had more success than like the Packers over the past five years. And that's remarkable given one that San Francisco's also had terrible seasons, but two San Francisco's never had a quarterback that we think of as, uh, a game changer of sorts. And they've been this great exception across the last uh, five years of the NFL. Well, great exception, but still a losing record for Mike Shanahan. I mean, he only really has won with yeah. Jimmy G. I mean, give yeah, him other but quarterbacks. That, but who's the second best quarterback that he's had besides Jimmy G? The, the second best quarterback is probably Brian Hoyer. <laughs> it's the second best quarterback he's had in his time in San Francisco. It's, it, they have not had any stable quarterback besides Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, but if he was in uh, a uh, QB whisperer, why can't he win with other quarterbacks? Because right. he's never so. had another starting quarterback. He's had Brian Hoyer and Nick Mullins. Oh, come on. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Sorry, you, your audio I cut mean, out for a second. I mean, I mean, it's just uncanny that um, Shanahan doesn't seem to be to groom a, you know, a, a backup to play well enough to keep the team on track. Um, you know, it's just sort of feast or famine and it's been feast with Jimmy G and, you know, moving away from him. So we'll see now if Trey Lance can pick up where Jimmy G left off and see if they can with Trey. Yeah, that one's interesting because I don't know exactly how 
to evaluate Kyle Shanahan. I know people will point to like, he had one season in Atlanta and that season, Matt Ryan went from being Matt Ryan to being an MVP. Like he took a tier two guy and made him an MVP with that offense. And I, I just don't know exactly how to do the evaluation on Shanahan. I just assumed we all looked at him and said, he's one of those coaches who can stay at the job for as long as he wants. And he's not like he's right. ever going to be on the hot seat, No, I which mean, I think a, there's only like seven of those guys in the NFL. He's a heck of a coach, but like what happened with Debo Samuel? Why was Debo so turned off? And I don't think it was just about money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that with Shanahan, Shanahan, I don't know. I think he's very physically demanding of his players. Um, and, um, you know, uh, and he just rides those running backs until they drop. And mm-hmm. they consistently drop. Because he's asking him to run 120 miles an hour um, every time they touch the football. You know, they're going like gangbusters, but the shelf life of being able to do that in the NFL, um, you know, the kind of pounding they're going to take isn't very long. I mean, look at Raheem Mostert, who, when healthy, he's been a, you know, a, a real stud in that offense, but it couldn't keep healthy. You know, you go down the list of running backs they've had, and so many of them don't last the whole and. You know, the kid Mitchell they picked up with uh, was awesome. Um, he uh, he played really well last year. We'll see if he can, you know, be their bell cow this year. Um, they just cut Trey Sermon. I don't know to do that. Um, a third-round pick uh, was, you know, jumped on by uh, – picked him up. Um, uh, someone just hopped on him on waivers. Uh, was it Chicago? I don't remember. No. Um, uh, oh, oh, Eagles. He's on the Eagles. I know. It's a good team on the Eagles. Now, you know, talk about teams with a roster. I mean, the Eagles, you know, you have to give the Eagles a ton of credit for how they try to build rosters. I mean, they're loading up on talent left and right, and they're making shrewd trades. And um, wow, I mean, they've just got a star-studded roster, and it gets deeper and deeper with some of the moves they make. I mean, they just picked up Ragor in the trade, and they already had good receivers with Smith. And I mean, they're they're just this is really. Um, you know, Howie Roseman's one of the great roster builders in the NFL. He always has big physical guys on both sides of the line where it all starts. I mean, Fletcher Cox is a poster boy. Um, Jason Kelsey is a poster boy. I mean, Lance Johnson is a poster boy for what they do. Um, now they dr- drafted the big kid from Georgia, Davis, Jordan Davis, and they got Kobe Dean. Um, you know that defense they signed be, Hassan Reddick. Also, they, they signed uh, Hassan Reddick, a hometown kid who's you know talk about a football odyssey coming home to Philly. Who's uh, by the way uh, in the top five of most sacks for the last two years. Um, I just saw Kyle Odegaard posted that. Um, and um, huh, you know, I mean, 
Jacobs, Darius. You were big on the Eagles back in June when we did the the breakdown on Red Rain. You were big. You thought you think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East this year. You said uh, that re- back in June. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, I'd be shocked if they didn't. Um, you know, and, and uh, I think they're going to be right up there. They'll win division. They'll have a home game. If not one, you know, I don't know if they'll be contending for the for the uh, number one slot with a slot with a box. You know, the rant, everyone in the NFC West is playing not only the AFC West for four games, they're playing the NFC South for four games. I mean, this if you look at the NFC West schedules, I mean, look out. I mean, those... I mean, every week is, uh, you know, another great team to prepare for. I mean, the Cardinals open with the Chiefs at home, the Raiders on the road, Rams at home. Oobly. I mean, yeah. so, you know, you've got, oh, oh boy. And they play the Eagles because um, they were second in the West. Eagles were second in the East. So you play whoever you were. You know, they'll play the Eagles. They play the Vikings because they were second in the Central. The second team place teams play each other. Then the they they drew for the for the extra game, the Patriots. <laughs> I mean, there's just no. I mean, it's just and same for all the like you're seeing on the the night on Thursday. You know, the Rams drew the Bills. As that uh-huh. extra game, right? So now the season's kicking off. Rams, Bills. Which, by the way, who do you like in that game? Uh, Buffalo. But it's kind of a toss-up for me. <laughs> I, I don't think I think either team is going to dominate one way or another. I I just uh, I don't know exactly how the result's going to go. But I would I would take Buffalo probably if I had to pick one. Yeah, well, uh, the, it'll be interesting to see the Rams. De- without Von Miller. Now they do get Bobby Wagner, who, by the way, I mean, I, he might experience Renaissance in LA with the new contract and everything, but I, I thought he was starting to slow down and he didn't Mm -hmm. seem to be quite playing at the same level. He was now, of course, being on a team that was declining too, could have aided and embedded decline a little bit, but I didn't, and it shows in his PFF grades too. I mean, he did not have a, mm-hmm. one of his better seasons last year. This may reinvigorate him and, you know, and of course going to be in a lot of primetime games and, and with a, with a Super Bowl champion, you know, defender. So, but, uh, but I thought Von Miller was a key piece to their winning the ring as was, um, signing or trading for OBJ, um, mm-hmm. having that extra receiver to throw to, particularly after Robert Woods went down, um, uh, was lost for the season. I mean, those were two of the trades that led to a Super Bowl win that I can think of. Um, they gave up a lot to get uh, Mill and not so much to get OBJ, but. Yeah, no. OBJ, they just had to sign him out, right? Because the Browns cut him after the whole free right. OBJ movement right. of those two weeks. That's right. And That's, yeah. Yeah, that was bizarre. Um, yeah, it's, 
So, wow. I mean, I mean, it's interesting too. Is that that it'd be interesting to see how um, Josh Allen does in this game because mm-hmm. uh, you know coming off one of the greatest games of his career, that that Chiefs game was just amazing. Um, but um, down the stretch last year, Josh Allen was struggling a little bit until the playoffs. And so it'll be interesting to see what kind of Josh Allen we get in week one. And that Bills defense is pretty formidable. I mean, now they have Von Miller. So that's a huge story <laughs> in this game that they have Von Miller and the Rams don't. And will Von Miller's team come out victorious? It's Just start me. When I'm on your Madden team, brushing the passer and tackling dudes are some strings of mine. Build your game strategy around me, cause my rating is 99. Build a slot for LB by just calling on me, and we both can shine. Cause I just need one more shot to be MVP. Yeah, we can win, so I'm saying start me. Let's do this. Stop all plays, just using my body. When I'm on your Madden team, change your roster up and just start me. me. Opponents never gonna make first downs. Try and try, they won't gain no ground. team and take them all the way madden nfl 17 ea sports it's in the game yeah that game is going to be really interesting to start the year off and uh i, I don't think they i don't think tredavious white is back yet for buffalo for buffalo. buffalo still has you know <laughs> on down from von miller to at trey edmonds uh, they have Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Like that defense is awesome for the Buffalo yeah. Bills. And Buffalo, they were probably there last year, but Buffalo's in this weird place where the entire purpose of the regular season exists to get people healthy for the playoffs. Like that's kind of the the space that the Chiefs have been in the last couple of years. Not last year was a little different because they got off to such a rough start. But like that year that they went to the Super Bowl after winning the Super Bowl where they were like 14 and one in the regular season, the regular season existed for them to get healthy for when the playoffs came around. And obviously they lost to the bucks in the super bowl. Right. I feel like Buffalo's in that space this year where we know they're going to win the division. Yeah. They might get the one seed, but they might have to play as a two seed or a three seed. But if everyone stays healthy, they might just waltz into the one seed anyways. Buffalo is just so overwhelming this year that I feel like they're in that space where, we are a great team and we know now what matters is those three games in January. And that's what our entire regular season is moving towards is getting to those three games in January. Cause we know we're not going to have to, we're not going to have to duke it out for a playoff spot this year. We're, we're going to be pretty firmly in the playoffs. And as long as we get in, we'll be pretty set as long as our team is still healthy once we get there. Yeah. And uh, you know, the AFC East is improving, so I don't know. Um, it's very possible the the Bills could end up the one seed, but I also think that the Titans ended up the one seed last year for a pretty good reason. Is they played in the weakest division, 
And it, it, mm-hmm. you play in a tough division, it's hard. Like, same as the Packers. Packers played in a weak division. You know, if you can go, um, you know. Five and one in your division. Five and against. one, exactly. If you can go four games over 500 in your own division and go two games over 500 or three games over 500 the rest, in the rest of the games, you're in contention for that number one seed, and you might end up getting it with all Plus the, the other. Plus, the Titans last year, the Titans were tied with the Chiefs at the end of the regular season. They just won a tiebreaker against Kansas City, which I right. attest the tiebreaker was incorrect. The Chiefs right. should have been the one seed, and Buffalo should have been the two seed. Well, the or, Chiefs... sorry, t- Tennessee. Tennessee should have right. been the two seed. Chiefs were the better team last year, but they had the tougher schedule and you know, in their own division. It was tough. I mean, you know, it's a mm-hmm. plus. Even if you win in your own division, what it takes out of you to win those games um, can can be a factor. I mean, you got to be on your, you know, these are physical, um, epic bouts uh, that you've got to endure and prevail over, and you know, it takes it takes a lot out. I mean, it prepares you well. You know, steel. Um, iron, you know, uh, steel, what do they call it? Steel, honed steel, you know, I mean, um, sharpened steel. So, but it also can be, you know, there, um, can take some, so, the, you know, um, the punch out of you if you come out of those games bang, you know, like a, a Pyrrhic victory, um, when you got guys banged up and hurt and, so, I mean, the NFL seasons now, Kyle, are are, are tales of, uh, you know, um, Darwinian survival of the fittest. I mean, somehow the teams that can manage the Rams lost Robert Woods, but boy, oh boy, I mean, they, they went to the Super Bowl virtually their entire team intact with the addition of of Von Miller, which made a huge difference on the edge. Now you know you have Aaron Donald coming up front with uh, Philip Gaines and, you know, uh, the, the kind of, and Robbins, A'shaun Robinson, the kind of guys that, you know, break down pockets. I mean, and then, you know, OBJ on the other side, who gave him that extra guy had to, Try to scheme to stop, and he was playing great. And um, they, you know, they they somehow managed their schedule to where they peaked at the right time, and they were able to stay relatively healthy. And it's amazing to me if we went back and watched every snap that Cooper Cup ter- took during that season, what an Iron Man he was, based on the physical exertion he put forth game as one of their leading blockers lined up close to the line plus all of hits he took receiving as the number one receiver in the NFL it's just phenomenal what he was able to win and still be at the top of his game in the Super Bowl I bet you that coming around this year the Rams are going to trade for another receiver I bet you that's going to happen sometime not, not necessarily next week or the week after but I bet you the Rams are going to trade for another receiver by the time we get deeper into the season. Well, and, it uh, could be re-signing OBJ. 
It I could mean, be. It could he, be. He crashed Sean McVay's wedding, so that was a sign. Um, but OBJ has also flirted with the Buffalo Bills on social media. OBJ could go anywhere in the league, and yeah, maybe he ends up back on the Rams for knowing OBJ. Do you think he'd rather be in LA or Buffalo? I would have said the same thing about Von Miller, and Von Miller went the other direction. So I think Von Miller was doing it because he had 120 million reasons to do it. But well, and Von Miller was fine living in Denver in a cold climate. Yeah, and. OBJ played in New York. God, OBJ's OBJ's whole career is something that upsets me because the, the two worst franchises in the NFL ruined seven years of his career with Cleveland and with the Giants. But yeah, I, I guess you're right. OBJ choosing Los Angeles there would work. I think even if they sign OBJ, they might end up trading for another receiver because uh, they are very thin after Van Jefferson and Tutu Atwell, who I know Sean McVay drafted and was right. like very big on, but and Jefferson's they, they're very hurt, thin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, they still have Higby and all that. They have a lot of. They have the draft picks they gave up for Robert Woods. So I, I would see them adding another receiver at some point here. And uh, I think you're right. They'll they'll the, the, add whatever it takes, or the, whatever they think it takes. Yeah, and, uh, I agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> watch that. Watch them trade for Roquan Smith here in the next couple of weeks. Watch that be how this one plays out. So that they end up with. Uh, I mean, they have Leonard Floyd right now. I was surprised that they gave Leonard Floyd the money that he did, and obviously he was hurt for a lot of the the back end of the Super Bowl run last year. But I was uh, I was interested by that move. But watch the watch the Rams do something weird like that, and they're well, the team Roquan that, goes, that keeps going all in. Would all sense if Bobby Wagner were injured. I mean, you can't pay both of them, can you? Money is an illusion, I suppose. But for for the Los <laughs> Angeles Rams, for the Los Angeles Rams, money is an illusion. I think Jalen Ramsey only has like 16 million against the cap or something like that. I don't know how they structured his contract that way. I assume on the back end, he gets a bunch more, but Jalen Ramsey has, yeah, has like very minimal cap while being, I Here's assume what so. I think. It hasn't happened yet. You know, someone like Robert Quinn, they'll make a big move for. To replace Von Miller. I, I saw this stat that Robert Quinn has the um, between all pro appearances. Robert Quinn has the largest gap between two all pro appearances. It's a eight season gap between Robert Quinn's first all pro appearance and his second all pro appearance last wow. year with the Bears. Wow. Yeah, it'll be someone like that who you know off, off a team that's rebuilding, and uh, might be Brian Burns. They'll get somebody. That would be um, interesting. That would be interesting. Yeah, Let's see what wide receivers are available. They'll find a way. Um, and then, you know, wide receivers, they'll they'll do something there. Um, but I think it'll be with OBJ at the right time when he's healthy. And we'll be timing it perfectly to come back. And if it's not OBJ, you're right. I think they will make another call at wide receiver. 
and I'm starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scores. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to Zion. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood handsome, Dodge City tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Jeter. Nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback with Streeter. I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put him on the back. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. Ram it. This is Kyle from the future joining you here on the show. Um, I was going to just let that play because I love an inside joke on this podcast, but I just realized it's a new football season and there's a lot of new people listening to the show. So anytime you hear that music, you should know that that is the 1988 Los Angeles Rams hip hop anthem, Let's Ram It, which has its own accompanying music video. You can Google that on YouTube if you want. The thing I love more than anything on this podcast is 1970s and 1980s theme songs for professional sports teams. And anytime we talk about the Los Angeles Rams on this podcast, I am obligated to play that song to you in its entirety. I just realized this means I also have to explain that like 10 minutes ago, you heard Vaughn Miller's Madden 17 commercial that was a parody song to Justin Bieber's Sorry that is one of my favorite videos ever, and anytime we mention Vaughn Miller on this podcast, I'm obligated to play that song unannounced for no reason. So those are the inside jokes, that's your explanations for the season, now let's return to the podcast. They've got two situations in their offensive line. Joe Notaboom is taking over at left tackle. Um, and uh, huge for Andrew Whitworth. Huge cleats to fill there. Um, Notaboom has pretty decently in, in spot duty, but uh, you just don't know how he's going to fare. Um, on a regular basis at that key spot, um, protecting uh, Stafford's backside. And then, you know, they lost their first first draft pick, uh, the guard there um, from Wisconsin um, to a season-ending injury. I think they were ho- hoping to uh, start him at right, but now they've got, uh, got to figure that out. Um, and... Uh, those could be two potential areas for them to address via trade as well. Yeah, I could see that playing out for the Rams and them making upgrades. They need to go all in, but they're still built on three of the, I think according to the players, three of the 12 best players in the NFL. So that's that's the foundation that they need, and that's how they won last year. I'm just interested by the Rams because we don't think of them as a team that we just instinctively pencil in as like a conference championship game. And I guess that I guess maybe that's just how important the quarterback position is, is that we don't think of them as the way we think of Buffalo or the way we think of, uh, I don't know, like the Packers the last few years or the Bucks. I've seen a lot of people put the Bucks in the championship game, and I was surprised by that. And uh, we don't think about the Rams in that same way. And maybe that's just because they don't have one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. So who are the three best three that they have or best 12? 
Uh, Ramsey and Cup. Ramsey, Cup, and Aaron Donald would be three of of the 12. Yeah, Yeah. Cup has never been up that far, but he should be up there now after last season. Yeah. He was the the number one receiver, I think, in the rankings. I think he's number one receiver. Well, as well, he's earned that, and it'll be interesting to see how he can back it up. Um, And um, so I give him credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. And Stafford did a did what he had to do. He uh, games where he was struggling, he'd come back strong in the fourth quarter. What really still ticks me off is that Ravens game where Huntley was winning the whole, you know, was playing lights out as best you can under those circumstances with a banged up team. And the Ravens had the lead, let him down the field to the lead. And uh, Matthew Stafford, um, put together a textbook winning drive which culminated in a pass um, to OBJ, TD pass to OBJ. Or the Cardinals would have won the NFC West. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was that tight. And, oh, I was so disappointed. But, I mean, he was so clutch in that game. And then, you know, the winning pass wasn't to OBJ because he was hurt by them. But in the Super Bowl... He did the same thing on that last drive. He came down, poised, hit Cooper Cup um, over the middle with that great throw, and then then with the TD. Um, it was thoroughly caught. He just – and that's kind of emblematic of and symbolic of Stafford's staying power. I mean, and his preparation is – he's able to – you know, keep his head up and and be completely clutched down the stretch when they needed him. Always that way in Detroit, obviously. And um, but being surrounded by the cast of characters he was surrounded with, and you know, taking advantage of his his uh, um, experience. And few quarterbacks prepare harder for games than Matthew Stafford. I've I've such rave reviews from guys who have played with him. Um, one guy, Kyle Sloter, who was a quarterback for the Cardinals and played in the XFL this year and then was picked up by the Jaguars but then released recently. Um, he was a backup to Stafford in a year where they claimed him off the Cardinals practice squad and he said he's never seen anything like it. He had Every week, his protections mapped out, um, had meetings with the offensive line, um, detailed meetings where he had every protection um, figured out and mapped out and practiced and repped and repped again. And um, he said he learned so much in the couple months he was with Stafford. He said it was like a clinic every day, learning quarter protections from Matthew Stafford you know, it's, it's a tribute to his professionalism um, and diligence and perseverance that he came through in the clutch. And you know, he's like Carson Palmer, apt to make an ill, ill-advised throw every now and then. We saw that, but uh, mm-hmm. but he's got a short-term memory, which Palmer did too. And you know, you have to have. If you're a quarterback taking risks and you got to shove, you know, slug it, shrug it off, and 
Stafford has, he's Teflon. He has that ability to bounce back from a mistake and, you know, and, and then get, make a tone for it before the, before it's too late. So, wow. Yeah. What a year. What a way to come through in the clutch. Matthew Stafford is in that weird group of quarterbacks where, like, we know who the Hall of Fame quarterbacks are and the greats of all time. And we also know that most quarterbacks, when they reach age 30, kind of become backups. You know, if you think about, like, uh, Matt Schaub, who had a long career, but half of it was as a backup, or, you know, Mariota, who's going to be a backup into his 30s. Um, Stafford's kind of in that in-between where he's going to play 20 years in the NFL and won't be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. which is, I guess, what I call the Hall of Very Good, which is like <laughs> Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, Carson Palmer, the Hall of Very, Very Good Players who start for 20 years and also won't ever make the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I think Matthew Stafford's a very, very good quarterback, and sometimes we don't know how well, to do the evaluation for Eli types will make of players. It. Oh, Eli will make it just because of his family heritage and, and the, the, the fact that they're the first family of football. Um, that Eli Manning will make it even though his case is being a Manning will put him over the edge in between like the maybe group of <laughs> Hall of Famers. No, being a two-time Super Bowl winner will put him over the edge uh, in miraculous Steve, fashion too. The the numbers the numbers do not support Eli Manning in that way. Eli Manning had roughly the same career as Carson Palmer, but you add two Super Bowls and all of a sudden he's uh I think him and Carson Palmer have the same number of playoff wins, but because Eli's happened to happen in two Super Bowl seasons on the backs of two really good defenses, Eli Manning gets to to be a Hall of Famer. But no, I think uh, Carson Palmer only has one playoff win in his career. I'm sorry, not playoff. Sorry, I meant playoff games, not playoff wins. I meant playoff games played. That was that was my bad. Really? On that one. Yeah, just because the Bengals made the playoffs for like three or four times with Marvin Lewis and him and Ocho Cinco. They just lost in the first round every year. Right. And then he had those those runs with the the two runs with the Cardinals, the one where they lost to the well, I guess they lost to the Panthers twice, right? Didn't the Cardinals Yeah, but lose the to... first time was without Palmer, he was hurt. So what would that be? Five playoffs? The Cardinals games? he was one and one. He was one and one with the Cardinals, and then two or three. Okay, so Eli does have a couple more because Eli has three playoff runs, four games, three games, and one game because they lost that one year to the Packers. Right. Yeah, I guess Eli Manning's got it a little bit over him. And Eli Manning, I think Eli Manning finished 10th all-time in passing yards. I'd have to look it up again, but... Yeah, yeah, Eli Manning will get into the Hall of Fame. I'm not disillusioned to that. I just... If he makes it and Philip Rivers doesn't make it, I'm going to throw a fit. If Eli Manning makes it, but we don't put Philip Rivers in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I think Eli Manning's case is analogous to Kurt Warner's. Yeah, I mean, that's Kurt fair. Warner won two Super Bowls and took his team to a third. So took the Cardinals to a third, right? That is correct. Kurt Warner also has a league MVP, which is putting it over the edge for Kurt Correct. Warner. And but I think Eli had, Manning's, Eli Manning's worse years than Eli did in the interim between mm-hmm. his best days at the Rams and his, his uh, renaissance couple years with the Cardinals. That low in his career there was, was not good. 
Yes, you are definitely correct. And Eli Manning will make, I'm not disillusioned that he will make the Hall of Fame because these things are chosen by writers and the book of Manning will not be complete without two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And it, this is like the whole, the, the very, very good guys. Sometimes we don't know how to do analysis with like Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has had an incredibly great career and he will not be a Hall of Famer. And that's okay. Like he'll be a 20 year starter in the NFL. I don't agree. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. I I don't think so. I just remember you and I went back and did the the math, and he had 10 straight years of more than 4,000 yards mm -hmm. and umpteen TDs. I mean, the consistency of his passing production was, was like he was the only quarterback in those 10 years to do it. To do it every single year. There is one Correct. interesting thing that I do laugh when this stat always comes up, which is, um, you know, the modern NFL revolution begins with like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in the 2000s and they start to adjust the rules and stuff to the game. So every time, like every couple of years, this stat comes up where it's like, this person is now fastest quarterback to 30,000 passing yards, fastest quarterback to 40,000 right. passing yards, fastest to 50,000. And every time it's Matthew Stafford. It's like Matthew Stafford is the fastest quarterback to ever hit 30,000, 40,000, and 50,000 passing yards in NFL history. And I'm like, really? that's going to get broken real quick. But yeah, because Stafford and Matt Ryan entered the, and Joe Flacco too. I won't knock Joe Flacco out. They entered the league at the time where the quarterback position was changing because they were adjusting all the rules to increase passing and pass interference rules, and you can't hit the quarterback. They entered the league right at the time where they were trying to increase passing offense by changing the rules and the concussion lawsuit was going on at the same time. So they were, they were adjusting the rules right around that time. And those quarterbacks just yeah. happened to be the first ones through the door. Yeah, And okay. that makes it difficult to do the hall of fame analysis. Matt Ryan may very well make the hall of fame. I just, we've done this talk before. Like he is in, in my book, the hall of very good more than he is the hall of fame. Well, Even though Matt Ryan has an MVP. I think he's up there with Dan Marino um, for, for in terms of a case for Hall of Fame in terms of production. And Ryan has one thing that Marino never had was got its team to a Super Bowl. Dan Marino went to a Super Bowl. What was it, 1983 or four? One of those years. They, they lost to the 49ers one of those years in the Super Bowl. Oh, he did? Yeah, I think it was his second year in the league or first year in the league. But oh, okay. they, they, yeah, they lost oh. to the 49ers one of those years. But you're right. Oh, okay. For the, the bulk of his career, he never made a Super Bowl. Well, he never won a Super Bowl. So, yeah. same thing. They got the teams there once and lost. I mean, this is where my old San Diego fandom hat will come out because guess who has more career passing yards than Dan Marino? Phillip Rivers. So, hopefully, Phillip Rivers makes the Hall of Fame too. He will. I, I hope so. I'm just He's one of the great it. passers in the NFL. He will. I hope I so. I see how you can let, sh- leave him out. Yeah. I sure hope so. I, he's he's on that fringe. I assume he'll get in because, again, more passing yards than Dan Marino. It just it might take him a few years and sweating it out for a few years for him to get in. Yeah. Yep. That one will be fun. Anything else for the season preview? I know we kind of got bogged down on the NFC West, and we, we we did talk about the Eagles a bit, which I thought was interesting. Any other interesting points before we wrap up here? Oh, I think uh, on paper, 
because all it is right now is paper. Mm-hmm. In the AFC, Buffalo in the East, I think it's Cincinnati in the Central, but that's debatable. Everyone's touting the Ravens. I don't know what's going on with Lamar, and I don't know what's – I mean, the Ravens have a very respectable roster, but I – I uh, there's something about Cincinnati that seems special. It probably it's Burrow to, to, to Jamar Chase. Um, that seems like an unstoppable situation, but but then uh, I think in the South, the Colts, your Colts, you love jumping on that bandwagon. I think you know you're going to become a Matty Ryan fan this year, Matty Ice in Indy. And then, <laughs> well, um, will being a Matty Ryan fan mean I'll stop referring to him as the rotting corpse of Matt Ryan? <laughs> you indeed. You've you'll you'll have a complete 180 on that, uh, and then you At this chad- point, I don't even believe it anymore. Chad is chadging in the West. I think on paper they have um, best roster up and down, and but among four very very good um, caliber rosters, so you could go with anyone. But I think the Chargers are, are there, and then in the in the uh, NFC. It's Philly in the east. It's Green Bay in the central. It's, uh, in my opinion, Saints in the south. Because, um, man, that defense is is special. And us back and that receiving crew they have with Kamara on the backfield, I think is uh, even more talented than what the have. And then you have, uh, you know, of course, Brady. Is, I mean, Jameis isn't Brady, but... Uh, but man, that's pretty hard to go wrong with that group. And then in the West, the Rams on paper would be in the in the lead there. Although you may have the 49ers knocking on the door for for the, their roster. Um, and uh, yeah, you're you agree or where do you disagree? I am I'm in the Baltimore camp because I think that Baltimore is closer to the 2019 team than they've ever been before. And just by that, I mean last year they had more injury. By percentage of salary cap, they had more injuries than any team in the NFL, not named the Detroit Lions, but that's because the Lions had the lowest salary cap in the NFL. So Baltimore, I believe they're closer to what I say, a team that was literally unstoppable. In 2019, that team was literally unstoppable and then in 2020, everyone got hurt and they were still a top five team because that's how good Lamar Jackson is at quarterback. And then last year, Lamar got hurt and it all fell apart. And if they hit on two two-point conversions instead of missing on both of them, they still make the playoffs anyways last right. year. And uh, I guess I just I believe in Baltimore because I've seen it over a longer sample size. Sure than the Bengals, which is no disrespect to the Bengals. I just, I, I, I'm playing safe. I'm playing safe with my picks like Baltimore and Kansas city, I think will win those divisions and I'm okay. just playing it safe because I've seen the precedent of those two teams right. over the past four years. But Kansas okay. city is a team. I don't know exactly how to analyze them just because I don't know what they're going to look like. I just know they have the best quarterback I've ever seen and the best offensive coach in the history of the NFL. And it's hard for me to bet against that. Yeah. And I'm not saying those are my predictions to win the divisions. I'm just saying on paper, on paper, before we head into the season, 
when you compare rosters, what I consider to be the most talented rosters in the league, but that doesn't mm-hmm. all, always translate into winning a division or, you know. Oh, of course. Yeah. Injuries right. will I mean, come up very early in yeah, the season that will affect that. But tale of attrition and which way the ball bounces oftentimes and who's going to get the benefit of the officiating. Um, which they say this year they're going to crack down on downfield holding or, you know, by cornerbacks. Um, I saw a bit of that in preseason they're trying to do. I think it's, that's going to force cornerbacks to really be more fundamental and look back for the football. I think it's a, in a way it's a good move, but it also should be applied to the wide receivers can't, shouldn't make contact either. Um, you know, do it arm bars, the balls in the air, um, as some like Karski always like to do. Um, mm-hmm. That should be a penalty on the offense too. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be, well, I mean, so many interesting games ahead and starting with game number one, I mean, Bills at Rams, Thursday night football. And, wow. Uh, are you ready for some football? I'm ready for that. I'm ready for Chiefs Chargers week two on Thursday night. Uh, it's it's going to be good football. It's going to be good football. And the NFL does do the thing where they put the best matchups early on in the season just because they, they don't know who's going to be healthy and who's not later in the year. So uh, they, they set up a lot of great matchups early in the season, whether it be uh, obviously, the Chiefs playing the Cardinals, or the Bills playing the Ravens, or the Bills playing the Chiefs, Bills playing the Rams, uh, Buccaneers play the Saints early in the season. They they purposely set up a lot of those best matchups early on in the year, so that uh, you get to see the teams while they're fully healthy playing each other. Right, and then they might play each other again when the playoffs roll around. All right. Well, here on the Tie Podcast. We'll keep an eye on all of it and report from time to time. Thank you for having me as your guest, Little Rock, Ledbetter, Take It Easy podcast, um, Maven. I'm Mm -hmm. delighted to be on, and let's kick this thing off. Absolutely. Enjoy the start of football season, and good luck to the Cardinals against the Chiefs. Thank you. We're going to tap into every bit of luck we need. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Y'all yes. are going to need a good bit of luck to kick off this season. Well, we've got our magic charm on the team, Jonathan Ledbetter. Oh, yeah, that's right. They've got a Ledbetter. They've got a San Diego State guy now, and it's yeah. not Brian Lindley. That's pretty cool. Yep, okay. it's Cameron Thomas. So, yeah, your uh, your influence on the Cardinals is going to mean a lot. It's a weird uh, – what's the word that you use? Um when in when there's a connection between things like that, when we're talking synchronicity. about synchronicity, that's the word I was looking for. Yes, yes that's a, it. It's an interesting synchronicity rolling around this year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thanks again, Kyle, and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Chat with you again next week. Okay, man. Take care. Take care. Bye, bye. Hey!
starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scores. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to Jackson. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood handsome, Dodge City tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Jesus. Nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback with Streeter. I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put him on the back. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. Ram it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.